It's time for the Back to the Book broadcast with Brother Jimmy Ruckman. You can send all correspondence to Brother Jimmy Ruckman, 1621 Six Mile Cemetery Road, Maryville, Tennessee, 37803, or email backtothebookbroadcast at gmail.com. The Back to the Book broadcast is a ministry of the Ridgeview Baptist Church in Walland, Tennessee. You can visit the church website at rbcwalland.org. And now the broadcast. Please take your Bibles, if you would, turn to the book of Romans, chapter number 4. Romans, chapter number 4. We have been dealing, um, first of all, with the sin problem in Romans. Then we've moved on to justification. And for um, last week and now this week, we we will be continuing on through that and then through chapters 4. Um, Just, I want to kind of give a quick recap of where we've been so far, just to keep that contact, or the context, kind of, first and foremost in our minds, because without the context, we're not going to be able to understand what begins to be said throughout the book. And plus, we always need that that review is good, at least for me, to remember where we've been and to kind of build off of that. So if you'll remember, we said in Romans chapter 1 and verse number 16, we kind of said that is the theme verse, at least from Romans chapter 1, through chapter 5, you probably could even say really through chapter number 8 easily. This is kind of a very critical, important verse, and maybe even to more of the book than that, but I've not finished my study through everything, so I can't speak on that at at the moment. But I know for, for where we've been so far, that's really the theme verse. We're dealing with this thing of salvation and dealing with the truths of the gospel and leading up to, to a lot of the doctrinal truths around the gospel. Here's what Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now that is the theme for short where we have been so far, Romans 1 into Romans 4, and we've barely touched it in chapter 5, but we took a step back to deal a little more in depth with chapter 4, and then we'll move on into chapter 5 if the Lord will help us. But this gospel becomes critical to this part of the book of Romans and to our understanding of what's going on. So if you remember, in chapter 1, we began dealing with this issue of sin. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. And then the rest of the chapter is dedicated to what we could say are the heathen. And it's a couple interesting things we brought out. These heathen have somewhat of a knowledge of God. Now, it might not be the full knowledge of the gospel, of all the gospel, but they know that there's a God, and they are guilty before God simply because that when they knew there was a God, they decided to worship the creation rather than the creator, and they reject every bit of truth that God ever gives them. God shows them truth, they reject it. God gives them a little bit more truth or whatever, they further reject him. And and we see that steps, I believe, three or four times throughout the rest of the chapter where God eventually turns them over to a reprobate mind. But the end or the the what well, the conclusion of the, the heathen that we can say is they're under sin. They're guilty. And really you're comparing two groups, really, Jews and Gentiles. And there's really this segment of people that want nothing to do with God that come out of really both, but mostly this would be the Gentiles at the moment. Then you hit chapter 2, and the beginning of it begins to deal with the hypocrite. 
These would be the moralizers of the day. They're living by their conscience, by what they feel or think is right, which is never a good, it's a good help, but it is never dead right. And without the word of God, it can't be right. Well, they, the word of God lays it out in front of them. They condemn the heathen for their rejection of God and for how they live, but then they live very much the same way, whether they realize it or will admit it or not, they accuse the heathen and they excuse themselves. Well, God judges them based on the law of their conscience. They still fail. They're still under sin. Then, at the end of chapter 2, we begin looking at the Jew, God's chosen people. They were given God's law. They had all the truth that would be possible to have in the world at that time. And yet, we find they're still under sin. And Romans chapter 3 Verse number 9 says, speaking of Jews versus Gentiles, says, What then? Are we better than they? No in no wise, for we have before proved, both Jews and Gentiles, that they are all under sin. So the conclusion of chapters 1 through chapters 3 is this sin problem that is inherent to every single human being. It's not a Jews versus a Gentiles thing. All are under sin. All are just as bad off. Now the Jews had more, somewhat more of an advantage over the Gentiles because they had God's law. They had the directions and if they truly wanted the truth, they could have found it. But not all of them did. All were still under sin. That opens up the door to, of our understanding to be able to begin understanding the justification issue that picks up in Romans chapter 3 and verse 21 and then carries through chapter 5. And that is what we're dealing with now. So, when we see our sin for what it is, then and only then can we really begin to understand our need of the gospel. If we don't have the gospel, if we don't have a way to be justified before God, made just as if we've never sinned before God, then it's absolutely impossible for us to, to make it to heaven. Our sin is made very evident regardless of the law that we have, regardless of the truth that we have, all of us fail. Then, verse 21 of chapter 3, what's it say? But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith, of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And I'm going to just stop reading there for the moment. That That's chapter 3, the end of chapter 3. And what, what's he showing us? Where we fall short, where our righteousness we, we don't have any. We're sinners by nature. We sin because we are sinners and we're guilty before God. The law is given simply so that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Now the Jews had at this point in time stuck in their mind or ingrained in their mind that if they were going to make it to heaven, it would be by establishing their own righteousness. They would have to live to a certain level and keep the law in order to make it to heaven. Paul's point in this is to begin to point out to them it was never that way, ever. The law has never saved a single person in the history of the world. 
at all. The law was given for one reason and for one reason only. And that is to show us Christ and to show us our need of Christ. Chapter 3 tells us that it was given that all the world may become guilty before God. In other words, showing us how impossible it is for human flesh to keep the law. The end of chapter 3, Paul goes on to tell us that through faith in Christ, we establish the law because we're fulfilling the purpose or the end game of the law, so to speak. You turn to Galatians chapter 3. We find out that Galatians chapter... Let me just turn there and read it to you. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians in chapter 3. And then let me read. It's towards the end of the chapter here in verse... Yes, in, in verse number 24. Actually, let me back up just a little bit. In verse 19 of Galatians chapter 3. He's dealing really with the same subject here of sal of salvation or justification being by faith in Christ alone. And the Jews, they're going to be, well, what purpose was the law at all then? And here's what he says. Wherefore then, serveth the law, it was added because of transgressions. Till the seed should come, speaking of Christ, to whom the promise was made. And it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Now, a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. No law ever could have done that. Now, if there was a way possible, a law given that we all could have lived and kept flawlessly, then God would have had salvation by that. But there's never been that way. But the law is not against God. For, but Scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Notice this. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. And he begins dealing with a little bit different of a subject there that we'll get into in Romans very shortly also. So the whole purpose of the law, the fulfillment of the law, is to show us that we need Christ and that salvation or justification before God is going to be by faith in Jesus Christ alone. Because there is no other righteousness to be had for us. There is no other hope outside of miraculous intervention or divine intervention of God. So we come to chapter 4, and this is where we really spent a lot of time last week, and then the last two days we really dug in. We come to chapter 4, and what's it say? He begins giving us some examples of this justification, or some illustrations of it, and he gives us two people here in the beginning of chapter 4. He speaks of Abraham, and then he speaks of David. And he refers to the scripture for both of them. Abraham would have been the Jews, I guess, first and foremost hero, you could say. There's not much 
sin recorded against him, really. But there's some areas where he didn't have faith, full faith in God. He moves to Egypt. He wasn't ever supposed to do that. We see some things there, but the picture here is Abraham, kind of the highest <laughs> that you can get, so to speak, in their eyes, in the Jews' eyes. And Paul's point is he had to be justified by faith. He begins to deal later on in the chapter that Abraham received that justification by faith way before he was ever given the law. And the circumcision, which represents all the things of the law to them, not just the, the, the physical act that they would carry out, it was a sign. Let me read it to you in verse number 11. He received a sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of faith, which he had yet being uncircumcised. So God gave him a sign or, or a seal of the faith he already had had, already displayed. But the point is Abraham was justified and declared righteous before he ever had been circumcised. And to the Jews, that's very important. Then he gives us the example of David. And we'll read that as well. But David is arguably maybe one of the one of the biggest sinners of the Old Testament had all the truth necessary a great king but yet he committed two things where he was worthy of death he indirectly via his order had Uriah murdered and then he went and into an adulterous affair with Uriah's wife both of those things by their law requires death, the death penalty. But it was only because of God's justification on his behalf that allowed him to live and breathe for another day. And David goes on saying, Blessed is, are, are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Now this is a quick review where we've been so far. We've been dealing on some of this for weeks. Now, for the rest of this week, if the Lord will help us, we're going to try to begin building on this foundation and go farther into what the Apostle Paul begins to show us and the effects that justification ought to have in our life. Thank you so much for listening. You've been listening to the Back to the Book broadcast with Brother Jimmy Ruckman. You can send all correspondence to Brother Jimmy Ruckman, 1621 Six Mile Cemetery Road, Maryville, Tennessee, 37803, or email Back to the Book broadcast at gmail.com. The Back to the Book broadcast is a ministry of the Ridgeview Baptist Church in Wallen, Tennessee. You can visit the church website at rbcwalland.org.